Hey friends, welcome to the Amazing Humans podcast. I'm your host, Bree Palmer. You may know me from such things as Twitter, Instagram, and this podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. Not famous yet. Thank you so much for listening and taking the time out of your day to hear me interview an amazing human. If you've been here since the beginning or you are new here, I appreciate you either way. This podcast is all about amazing humans. Duh. But what does that mean exactly? Well, I believe that we all have amazing in us and I love hearing people from all over the globe tell me about their passion and how they are using their amazing to make a difference in the world. You don't need to be using your uniqueness in big and grand ways to make a difference in just one person's life. And those are the stories I want to hear. The little guys and gals who are passionate about the things they are doing and I want them to inspire you to find your little slice of amazing. So that's that. Let's get into the episode. Hi, Christina. Welcome to the Amazing Human series. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thanks so much for being here. I'm like, what is the name of my own podcast for y'all for a second there? (laughs) I really appreciate you taking some time out to chat with me. Usually just ask people to start by sort of saying who they are right now and what they do. So my name is Christina Zernick. I'm 26 and I'm based out of Edmonton. I'm currently working as a digital media specialist, but I'm currently pursuing my Master of Arts degree in criminal justice studies. That's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) What, uh, What made you want to take that? So... All pretty much my throughout my childhood, I had a fascination as terrible as it sounds with serial killers and true crime. And I used to kind of sit down in front of the TV and just watch endless episodes of just TV shows in general. But Forensic Files was the big one. And so my sister actually works with RCMP as of right now. And uh, she deals with forensic anthropology in the labs. So once she kind of got that position, it, it spurred me to go back to school and kind of pursue my passion after getting my undergrad. And that's kind of how it started. Wow. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Where are you taking that? Uh, I'm actually doing it online, thankfully. Um, nice. A university in the States. So I'm with California University of Pennsylvania. And it's a program that was created in tandem with the FBI. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, so that was kind of the the reason why I picked that one out of everything. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you go to school before that, you were saying? Yeah, so I went to McEwen. I started at the Journalism Diploma Program back in 2010 after I graduated from high school. And after the two years for that, I transitioned into their new program, which was the Bachelor of Communication Studies degree. So I went into that to kind of get two sides of the coin. So I wasn't just in journalism and went through with professional communications and graduated with that. Wow. That's, that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot of school. Thankfully it was only four and a half years to, to transition into the undergrad part. So it worked out. That's good. Yeah. That's really, so you just now starting this new program? Yeah, I started in January. So I'm just between my next semester after finishing the last one and it's been busy yeah I bet are you loving it though I do love it there's a few late nights where you curse the textbook but (laughs) I do thoroughly enjoy the program yes 
Cool. What's the what's the goal with it after the fact? Ideally, I would like to transition into either EPS or ICMP and just kind of help build a safer community. I love it. That's that'll be that's good. That's a good dream to have. <laughs> good <Yeah>. goal. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to be a criminal intelligence analyst down the road, but that'll be down the road once everything's said and done. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And in the meantime, you're still working? Yeah, I'm actually working full time. So I work a technically a nine to five job. It's slightly different hours, but I do that full time. And up until November of last year, I was also competing as an Irish dancer. So I definitely had a lack of downtime. (laughs) And apparently I just needed more on my plate after retiring last year. So grad school certainly filled that gap. Wow. Yeah, that's busy. That's what these pictures are on your Instagram is of the dancing. Yeah. So uh, the last few were from my regionals, which is where I finished off ninth overall and then decided to hang up my shoes. Really, eh? Yeah. After 18 years, my my feet <laughs> and everything else, were they were ready for a change. Yeah, it's time. That's a long time. Yeah, it was definitely a long go, but it was a good one, especially the last three and a half, four years. Cool. Well, that's different. That's super unique. Mm-hmm. You are one unique individual, miss. <laughs> a mix of many different things. No question. For, for sure. So tell me something about yourself that you would consider is like really unique apart from all of that. Probably the fact that my early childhood was significantly different from most of my peers, uh, considering I lived abroad until we moved here in 1998. Oh, wow. Where did you live? So I was actually born in Irvine, California in October of 92. And then because my father was a gunnery sergeant in the United States Marine Corps, we moved around a lot to the different embassies where he would do um, marine security detail. So we went from Irvine to Caracas, Venezuela, and then from Venezuela, we went to Seoul, South Korea, which is where my little sister was born. Wow. And then we went from there to Hanoi, Vietnam. And then when my dad decided to retire from the Marines, we ended up coming to St. Albert and setting up our home base here. Huh. (laughs) Yeah. So it's definitely a little different from the typical story you hear of predominantly being born and raised is what a lot of my peers are from St. Albert or at the Edmonton area. Yeah, of course. So yeah, it's, it's usually a mouthful trying to explain all of that of where I lived before we ended up here. And how old were you when you finally landed there? I was just two weeks shy of my sixth birthday, so technically five. Okay. So yeah. no, not much school years, I guess. No, not too much. When I moved here, I was in grade one. So yeah. It wasn't too bad in terms of that until the education system kind of didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> well, that's good because it's it would have been more of a struggle if you were kind of in school and constantly switching. Yeah, we were in like preschool and kindergarten and everything, but it it still was a really awkward and terrible transition, unfortunately. Oh no! Do yeah. you want to talk more about that? Sure. So <laughs> when I moved here. Um, the reason why we moved here is because my surviving grandparents on my mother's side were here. And so my family wanted to have that kind of close-knit family unit. 
So we moved here and I did not speak English or French. So that was interesting coming <laughs> here, considering I spoke mostly Spanish with a touch of Korean and Vietnamese, which was practically non-existent here. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, so when I moved here, uh, they, they didn't know what to do with me. So my parents took the recommendation and put me in French immersion thinking that maybe the whole Spanish thing will translate over. Mm-hmm. And that didn't really happen. So in grade one, I finished up and my teacher had discussed with my parents and said that she didn't have the resources to assist. And so then we went from the first school and I ended up changing over to a different one. And that second year was pretty bad. So they stuck me in French immersion again. Um, And unlike my previous teacher, this teacher refused to speak any English because I I had pidgin English, so I could kind of pick up on random words here or there. Yeah. But she wouldn't allow it unless it was French. And... Oh, boy. Yeah, and it got pretty bad. So I didn't have the language skills, and I didn't understand a lot of the questions. So in one particular instance around Halloween, which was my birthday, so it was always kind of hyped up around that time to begin with, she had asked us what we wanted to be for Halloween. Of course, we go down the row and we were talking about what we wanted to be. And then shortly following Halloween, she she asked us what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I had completely misunderstood the question, thinking it was what we wanted to be for Halloween that year. And I proclaimed proudly that I wanted to be a monster. (laughs) and the entire room cracked up and of course some of my friends knew that I had misunderstood and so the teacher thought I was being a delinquent and was purposely doing it and called my parents in oh my gosh and one thing led to another and that teacher told my parents that I needed to be put on Ritalin (laughs) so my mother did not take that well and my mother nearly took out her eyes from her sockets but we decided from there that it wasn't the right fit for me, um, especially after this teacher, from what I understand from my parents telling me, had disseminated an IQ test without approval from the parents. What? So, yeah, it was not a, she was not a good teacher. She's still to this day is the only teacher I can't recall in terms of <laughs> probably because it permanently blacked her out of my mind. Yeah, definitely. But I ended up switching into English, the English program, and they didn't know what to do with me either there because my teacher who was wonderful said she has great English our math and science skills, but her language skills and her social skills are struggling. Mm-hmm. So he recommended that maybe another school would be the best fit. So I finally made it to a third school. Wow. So by year three after moving here, I finally found a principal and a teacher uh, who were wonderful, who found a loophole in the system and put me in LAC. So then I got to deal with that. And then the labeling from the kids of being in the stupid program. And it, it just kind of like snowballed one thing after the other. But that's crazy. That was a three year transition. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's wild. That's a lot considering like, you wouldn't think it would be that difficult. But I guess yeah, you're floating around you're not really learning specifically one language yeah it was uh interesting your parents were like your parents were speaking English at home or no yeah they did so the reason why because my dad had uh security clearance with the military my parents made the decision because we were overseas anyways that they wouldn't um 
focus so much on the English aspect. They wanted us to kind of immerse herself in the culture and the people and the language. Yeah, that makes sense. So my mom was the, bless her soul, she literally would walk around with a pocketbook or a dictionary <laughs> trying to understand until we would just like point profusely at what we wanted. But she wanted us to sort of not worry about that. And that was why it was so that if my dad said something, we didn't understand and accidentally say it to everyone in our schools, something uh, that the embassy was doing because that was a big no-no. Right. So, but that, it's interesting you bring that up because the fact that my parents speak English was the reason why I was denied access into the ESL program. Hmm. So. That seems really silly. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was problematic. As my parents pointed out, it shouldn't matter if the kid has parents who speak English because I'm the one that was dead in the water, essentially, in class. Well, yeah. Yeah. So that kind of – I'm hoping that's been reformed since, but I have no idea if the Alberta education system has adjusted that now that there's more people coming from abroad. I hope they have. Yeah, I'd hope they would too. Yeah. Wild. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, you speak perfect English now. Do you still speak any of those other languages? Unfortunately, it was pretty much beat out of me by the education system. Yeah. I, I'm sure if I, at least with Spanish, if I started taking it again, it would start to come back with muscle memory. I was actually talking to an individual from Venezuela earlier today through work, and he was talking about it as well. And there's certain words that I can kind of zero in on, but I can't speak it or write it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that so, makes sense. Maybe one day, but no, unfortunately just English and then French from what I learned in school. Yeah. Well, that is a pretty crazy story. I'm not going to lie. You, no, uh, different. <laughs> yeah. Right off the hop, like yeah, from very, very young had some struggles, but you got through it all good. So yeah. Came full circle and the communication degree certainly was exactly. Yeah. <laughs> funny yeah wow well that is it's an interesting start for sure mm -hmm. tell me more about you you have so many things going on it looks <laughs> like based on your instagram and twitter profiles yeah so i i definitely get my toes in a lot of stuff in terms of create creative outlets and everything mm -hmm. um in terms of instagram i love doing photography I do that on the side just as a passion project. And as I mentioned earlier, for 18 years, I was a competitive dancer. So I was traveling across Canada. And in the last three and a half to four years of my competitive career, I was traveling nationally and internationally to compete. Wow. So when I wasn't doing homework in school growing up, I was at the studio, which was pretty much my second home. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And then just a fun little side gig I've been doing on YouTube lately is just reacting to K-pop videos because <laughs> that's just, I've always really enjoyed listening to it. I don't understand a lick of what they're saying without subtitles, but I've just always gravitated towards it. Yeah, just watched one real quick right before we hopped on here. And it's pretty, it's cute. You're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I always feel so awkward. I try to be as transparent as possible. But sometimes my dog, Bodhi, likes to try and derail the whole thing and you have to edit <laughs> that around. And, but it's been fun. That one's just been kind of on the side since, geez, last year. It'll be a year in June. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. That's neat. How'd you ever even come to that? Like, what made you want to do that reaction videos at all in the first place? I used to watch them all the time on YouTube just to kind of get different input as new songs and videos were released from Korea. And I was talking to a coworker of mine who is Filipino and he always jokes, he's like, you know more about Korean culture than anybody would expect on first glance because he said, you look like a typical blonde white girl. (laughs) He's like, so you would have no idea that you know all of these years of information. And I first got into K-pop around 2009 uh, when I was in high school. Oh, wow. Um, And so it was one particular group uh, called 4Minute that got me into it. And then it just kind of continued on. And there were a few years where I just kind of laid low and didn't really listen. But when I was talking with him last year, he mentioned, why not do a YouTube channel? And Mm -hmm. I had thought about it on and off for a year and a half, two years. But... I was just so busy between competing and training and being at the gym for the majority of my free time outside of work that it never really lined up in terms of timing. So I decided to take the jump and just start it and it started to gain some traction and I've been very fortunate to build up a family of subscribers who are very supportive. Yeah, you have quite the subscriber base. Yeah, I, I was shocked. I was shocked. some of these have like yeah like hundreds and hundreds of views it's wild yeah I think that there was one in particular and it was related to League of Legends and it was that one really kind of was the springboard to getting more exposure but it's funny because I've had it a few times where people have messaged me on Twitter or um, on Instagram through my art account and they just they, they're shocked that again this blonde white girl from Canada seems to just kind of get it and enjoys it and actually enjoys it a fair bit and I I like to touch on things that I don't see as often in other reaction videos and that's cinematography uh coloring themes all that kind of stuff just from what I learned through photography itself right yeah that makes sense yeah that's neat you're putting a different spin on it yeah, I, I try to because it's it is still a very kind of niche corner of YouTube. Yeah, big time. But I've been told by a few subscribers that I've kind of built up a a, a corner of my own in that mm-hmm. where I stand out, which is kind of nice because it's it's predominantly male in terms of reactors from what I've seen. So it's nice that I'm being considered one of the few female K-pop reactors. Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Rocking the get the girls involved in these things. Yeah. <laughs> babe support babe situation going on there. Yeah, there's definitely a few that are very, very supportive on there. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's super neat. It's uh it's very unique thing to be into. And if anyone's listening and wants to watch those, I will link that in the show notes because that's it's kind of cool. Very different. <laughs> I don't think I've ever listened to K-pop anything in my life. <laughs> no, it's it's definitely, it came around a bit more recently in the Hallyu wave um, shortly after high school, and that's when it really gained popularity. But now with BTS and some of these other groups like Monsta X coming in, mm-hmm. it's, it's funny because I'll be in the gym and I'll just be floored that I'll hear a BTS song. Yeah. Five years ago, that would have never happened. 
So it's definitely, I'd recommend trying it out. It's definitely <laughs> colorful and vibrant. There's no question and very, very different, which is, I think, why I like it compared yeah. to our market. It's just not the same. And I think that's really endearing. Yeah. Well, it sort of, it kind of fits your whole vibe, I think, just based on what I'm learning about you right now is like, <laughs> it it just fits because of the colors and the creativity and all of that. Yeah. There. It's always fun too because my boyfriend uh, will be in the car and he's more into like the heavier metal stuff. So this is a completely different realm in terms of music, <laughs> completely out of his comfort zone. But I'll have the Bluetooth set up on my vehicle and my phone will just turn on and a K-pop song will start blasting. And he's just dumbfounded sometimes as to what's happening. <laughs> well, everyone has their thing. Yeah. It has a screamo. Mine is not. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You balance each other out yeah I would like to think so there you go talk to me a little bit more about the dancing thing because that's pretty pretty neat and also super unique as well <laughs> yeah so I was I think we were in Korea when my grandparents sent a VHS tape which sounds so weird saying that because it really doesn't feel like <laughs> that long ago yeah really it was, a, it was a VHS tape of Riverdance when it was Carnivet at its boom and when we watched it, apparently I was the little brat that would stamp around the house to it, thinking that I was the next Michael Flatley or Colin Dunn. <laughs> and my mom and my dad took note of it. But of course, at the time, compared to now, there weren't really any schools or academies that had teachers that were trained to teach Irish. So it was just something that they kind of kept on the back burner in mind for later down the road once we had settled somewhere. And so I just kind of kept watching that. And I'm surprised that tape managed to make it through to Canada for how often we played that thing. <laughs> but we ended up coming here. And then I believe within the year, yeah, I think it was the fall of 99 when my mom finally found a school in St. Albert. Um, and signed me up for classes and I just really enjoyed it. I think I, I really enjoyed it because it didn't require me to speak English, which was a huge bonus for me. Mm, yeah, and it was more visual learning than audit and auditory in the sense of hearing the music, which was really nice. Mm -hmm. So I started that in 99. And at the time we had a rule where we had to wait until at least a year to compete. So I did my first competition in 2001 and just loved it. I, I will say I was very fortunate that I was, I had a natural talent with it and that kind of kept me around for a bit. There were a few years where of course, like most athletes where they feel a bit exhausted and they start thinking about just quitting or things aren't going so well. And you just realize that you're being lazy and you just don't want to admit it. <laughs> I definitely had moments like that and I just kind of kept through with it I found it was a great outlet it was great exercise uh, particularly as it became more athletic over the years and it just was an outlet especially during those first few years where I didn't really have friends and I didn't really have something that was mine mm -hmm. that I could just kind of escape with and that was my form of escape. And it, it definitely worked. I mean, I didn't go insane from <laughs> the stress or pressure at school. True. Yeah, that's good. It's good that you found something like that because some people don't. And 
they just struggle, right? And it's miserable yeah. times for them until they get out of school or... Yeah, and that's why my parents always... We had a rule in the house, and this was partly why we had to do it. Uh, and it was that we had to do some kind of sport, some sort of activity to not only stay fit, but to get us out of the house and kind of engage with different people. So I was doing that and I was doing gymnastics and I was god awful at gymnastics. <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh, it's just, I, those uneven bars were the death of me. I oh, same. They, they were the end of me. I think I did that level three times before I gave up and I just said, I don't want to do this anymore. My mom, before I decided that, had told my dad we have to pick one or the other. Because of course, like a lot of families, you, it, you have to watch uh, the bank account. You don't want to spend too much money on things that maybe your kids aren't as interested in when you could just focus on the one. Yeah, of course. So my parents uh, sat me down. They said, well, like we have to pick. And they, they were hoping that I would not pick gymnastics because they knew I was terrible at it. <laughs> but of course, they wanted me to make the decision. Well, that's good of them. <laughs> yeah. And thankfully, my mom's like, thank goodness you picked dance because after I quit gymnastics and I just stuck with that, I really started to kind of find my footing and I, I moved through the ranks pretty quick hmm. and then I got, I got comfortable and my poor teacher for years and years and years used to get on me because she said I could go to worlds so much sooner than I did mm-hmm. but I ended up sticking through with it obviously for about 18 years and I took a hiatus for a year when I felt really burnt out in 2014 to 2015 and then I came back deciding it because I wasn't sure if I was going to retire or not and I decided not to so I came back I'd lived in California at the time and came back home Mm -hmm. uh, to kind of pursue opportunities here since it wasn't as great as I thought it would be down there and when I did that I decided to get back into it um didn't hurt that you lost a couple like to lose a couple of pounds from when I'd moved down there (laughs) and I came back and the following year because I I was I started in the fall of 2015 uh, to get back into it. And I waited until the following year in 2016 to compete at regionals again. And that was when I first qualified for worlds. Wow. Yeah. Which was, it was a complete shock, but it it was a happy shock. For sure. Yeah. Wow. And then placed ninth after all was said and done. Yeah. So the first year I placed, oh, I think 10th, 10th, pretty sure. It's been a while. Um, and that was because we had such a large group. I snagged the final spot. No, I was eighth. I snagged the eighth spot uh, overall, and that was the final placement to qualify. So I was very fortunate, um, especially considering I had terrible, terrible shin splints at the time. Yikes. So I was doing a lot of physio to kind of counteract the intense amount of training that we were doing to prepare and the following year after worlds I went back to re- our regionals and I ended up making fourth overall so I made podium for the first time ever at one of our majors which was wonderful I never thought that was going to happen so good thing you didn't that was yeah a good thing I came back because my my parents and my my TCRG which is what the accreditation is for the teachers they all said, of course, a lot of people that do come back don't hit their stride. And especially in our sport where 
when I first took a hiatus, the average age for retirement was 18. So the fact that I was able to do this at the age of 24, when a lot of young women were sticking around longer or coming back and starting to find their stride, mm-hmm. it was nice that I was part of that. That is pretty crazy. Well, congratulations on all of that. And congrats on, I guess, retiring at this point. (laughs) Thanks. I feel like you had a good career in it. (laughs) I I definitely did. It was great because for the last few, after we hit the age of 20, um, well, for my sister, when she hit the age of 20, because she started dancing after I told her that jazz wasn't a real dance form and she decided to piss me off by joining Irish. (laughs) Um, She and I were always competing uh, in different age groups, but we were always like our biggest advocates and our biggest supporter. So in the last five years, I've been very fortunate. And I think that was a big part of why I came back was that I was able to compete with my sister. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that was, that was a special thing too. Neat. That's pretty fun. The costumes are crazy. So I would definitely suggest yeah. everyone go check out your Instagram because like, or just Google it, I guess, in general and look up I would the Google it, yeah. Because they are beautiful. They are beautiful. We definitely get a, a lot of flack from journalists that come to our majors because it, it's a very different world. Mm-hmm. It's not for everyone. Uh, there's a lot of glitz. There's a lot of glamour. There's a lot of fake tan on the legs and a wig <laughs> and tiaras and ridiculous poodle socks and everything. But when you strip all of it away, I tell people, um, like the world is our form of the Olympics and the change from when I started to when I retired in the athleticism is something that people didn't see happening for generations. So it was a quick turnaround in terms of how the form of, dance changed in that particular form of dance and hmm. it's nuts yeah it's it's really neat I, I like I appreciate that kind of thing because it's it's different especially in Canada like <laughs> we don't really have very much of things like that going on so it's kind of cool to see mm-hmm. that happening very very cool do you have anything else to add? Because you're already pretty damn amazing. So what else you got? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of what else. I have a dog. We just got a dog. <laughs> yeah, he's so cute too. Yeah, so that's Bodie, um, who has her own Instagram account because I try not to spam <laughs> my friends and family too extensively. But we got her this February, and my sister also got a miniature schnauzer, which she named after Ellen Ripley, which her name is Ripley. Oh, jeez. She's, she's a big alien fan and a Sigourney Weaver fan, so that's where that originated from. And ours, we named after uh, Bodie, the ghost town in California, which was one of my favorite favorite places to date that I've been. Huh. Very to see, but it was also kind of an exit point for me from – a not so great situation when I left California and came back home. And so that's what we named her after. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. And what's her Instagram handle? Uh, it's Bodie.Schnauzer. So B-O-D-I-E dot Schnauzer. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. So my, my boyfriend thought it was ridiculous, but hilarious at the same time when I first started that. But uh, it was just kind of a nice way to, 
we had a, we were fortunate. We had a lot of um, the breeder that we went through. A lot of the families that have pets also had their Instagrams. So it became kind of its own community in itself, which I never anticipated. Like you don't think of dog communities necessarily with Instagram. So that was new for us. But yeah, yeah your dog will have more followers than you do. <laughs> I'm. I have no doubt that this is probably going to happen. Yeah. I'm fine with that because my, I tend to keep my stuff private for the most part. Mm-hmm. But I used to have one for my cat, but I was like, it was driving me crazy. I couldn't keep it up. So I just gave it up. I'm getting to that point already. Yeah. And so it's my sister. So I'm sure, like, we've started to peter off because you, you think it's so easy. And I, I, that's the one thing is having a background in, communications and specifically with social media as my specialty I've just I have a love-hate relationship for it now yeah, me too <laughs> yeah. especially with the whole criminology side of things knowing every nook and cranny of it from things I've gone through and good point just uh you find that you're not as intrigued to share as much anymore sometimes yeah that's a good point I think I'll live in my bubble of not knowing. some of that stuff yeah well um are you ready to answer the six final questions let's go these are the same six questions i ask everyone else so here we go the first one is if you could be a member of any tv sitcom family which would it be oh i'd be friends hands down (laughs) i feel like that's gonna be a common answer for sure (laughs) my boyfriend would be absolutely dismayed he is not a fan of the show but i love that <laughs> i will watch it until netflix forcibly removes it fair enough that's hilarious if you were invisible and could go anywhere where would you go i'd go back to vietnam oh yeah yeah do you want to expand on that <laughs> so hanoi vietnam because i was still quite young i remember as much as it terrifies my father, things like the exact layout of our house. But I also remember things like the people, the school and the marketplaces. And I just, I want to kind of go back and experience it again, but maybe in a a bigger capacity, because of course, as a kid, you can only do so much within reason. And just see things like the countryside and Halong Bay and everything from a more adult perspective, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you'll have to get on that sometime yeah I keep telling my boyfriend that too <laughs> if he hasn't been he's uh he's never been to Asia so that's on my bucket list just to have him come with me yeah that'd be that'd be amazing for sure would you rather be able to copy and paste in real life or undo in real life oh that's a good one <laughs> keep um, in mind like you could copy and paste things like desserts or dinners or you know I'm gonna say copy and paste because I'm I've always been one to follow the philosophy that you do things the way you do up until the point that you're at for a reason and if I undid any of that then it would probably undo a lot of the wonderful things that resulted in my life from the horrible things that resulted from what I've done in my life (laughs) good point Good point. What are you freakishly bad at? Dancing with my arms. (laughs) I have, after 18 years of having those bad boys tucked at the side of my body, 
I still to this day have no earthly clue of what to do with my arms. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even think of that, but that's a good point. You're like yeah. trained to keep them. It's very awkward at weddings and family functions. <laughs> yeah. involved. I don't know and what to do. Yeah, there's usually a few drinks involved too to get me to a point where I forget. The arms have to move. That's funny. <laughs> good yeah. point. Never even would have thought of that. What product would you stockpile if you found out they weren't going to sell it anymore? Ooh. Oh, these are hard, Brie. <laughs> um, I would probably say, how do I even answer this? If I had to pick, it'd probably be to save any Disney movie I possibly could. Um, if they ever went out of commission for some reason, which we know will never happen, but I grew up on a lot of those movies and they're very happy memories from my childhood. So I would probably stockpile any Disney movie I could get my hands on in a digital form since VHS is pretty much null and void. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. Good answer for sure. Yeah. All the Disney movies. Definitely. Yeah. And the last question is, uh, and I stole this from Lewis House, so I can't take credit for it. If you had the whole world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? Oh, uh, be kind to one another. Uh, always remember that what you see online is not reality and that you can't attack others for what you believe to be the truth when it's not. Mm, very good. That is very good. Yeah. Good answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, any final closing notes? I think we've covered pretty much everything, to be honest. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, this is awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really had a good time. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, you're amazing. So keep being amazing. And I'll see you on the internets. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you around on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, just before I forget, I'm going to put that in the show notes, but tell the people where they can find you if they want to connect. So you can find me on Instagram. Uh, usually I tell people to try just to follow my uh, public account, which is my photos, which is a lot of my amazing dancing clients and other clients. Um, but for Twitter, you can find me at... Uh, I think it's Caesar and I guess my handle I've changed it a few times over the years but that's where you can find me that's usually where I link all of the the k-pop stuff as well and then on YouTube you can find me at youtube.com slash Christina Zernig and hopefully I won't bore you to tears with my k-pop reaction videos nah they're pretty fun actually (laughs) I will tag all of that in the show notes so you guys can find it and if you can't find it even then just like send me a message and I'll I'll link you in the right place. Perfect. Thanks, Christina. Thank you, Brie. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Amazing Humans podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate a share on your Instagram page. So snap a snapshot, a screenshot of that that, uh, podcast whatever on your screen you know the podcast thing and share it to your instagram or your twitter or your facebook or whatever and tag us and if you could also 
subscribe and review. That would be amazing, but I know it's asking a lot. So just share it, really. That's the main thing right now is getting this out to as many people as possible. Thank you so much.